This episode of Rockship.fm is brought to you by Clubhouse, the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone together so that teams can focus on what matters, creating products their customers love. With a simple API and robust set of integrations, Clubhouse also seamlessly integrates with the tools that you already use every day. Listeners of Rocketship FM can sign up for two free months of Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io forward slash Rocketship FM. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Shopping from home is a wonderful convenience many of us have indulged in. 
It started with catalog shopping, then came QVC and the Home Shopping Network. But the internet affords the ultimate inconvenience. You can shop. Welcome to part two of Before Amazon, the books.com story. If you haven't listened to the first episode, go back and check that out first. You're going to enjoy this episode a lot more if you do. We're going to pick up the story right where we left off as Jeff Bezos starts to enter the market with Amazon.com. It's 1994. And Charlie and Books.com have run into some funding issues simply because the infrastructure that we have today does not exist in Cleveland, Ohio. So before we begin, let's get into that 1990s internet vibe. Set. We're riding on the internet, cyberspace, set free, hello virtual reality, interactive appetite, searching for a website, a window to the world, got to get online, take a spin, now you're in with the techno set, you're going surfing on the internet. All right, I think I'm ready to get into it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. At Amazon.com, the front door is a page out on the Internet. We've demonstrated that Internet retailing and online commerce works. We're living proof. Bold words from Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos, but he can back them up. Amazon.com of Seattle is one of the hot sites on the Internet. Its revenues are growing 20 to 30% a month. The number of employees is up from just 7, 18 months ago to more than 200. We've created a very simple and easy-to-use front end that allows people anywhere in the world to search through this vast database of books and find what they're looking for. In 1994, Jeff Bezos left his lucrative financial career in New York to move to Seattle and pursue an Internet business selling Books online. The initial success of Amazon was meteoric. With no press promotion, Amazon.com sold books across the United States and in 45 countries within 30 days. In two months, sales reached $20,000 a week, growing faster than Bezos and his entire team ever envisioned. But during this time, Amazon wasn't doing all of this in a vacuum. Jeff Bezos and his team, they were very well educated on the market, the competition, including Books.com. Here's Brad Stone, author of The Everything Store, a New York Times bestselling book about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Brad talks about some of the conversations he had with early employees of Amazon and how competition was always top of mind. I talked to most of the early employees back then when they were a five, six, seven, eight person company. And one of them, I remember an engineer named Paul Davis, who was, I think, the second employee, said that the first mission was really to beat the other companies that were selling books online. Um, you know, and that was books.com. There, were, there was a bookstore in Santa Monica. Um, and, you know, and, and so in terms of the, they looked a lot at, in terms of the selection, in terms of the quality. And yes, Amazon had much bigger competition eventually. Barnes & Noble became one of their biggest foes, but... Before there was Barnes & Noble to compete with, 
there was Charlie and Books.com. The story of Amazon is almost like the story of a video game where at each level, there was another big bad guy, another comp- comp- competitor that they had to face. And the ones we know about, of course, are, are Barnes & Noble in the late 90s and Walmart uh, after that, and perhaps today Apple and Google. But all the way at the beginning of this game, there was companies like Books.com uh, that, was, that was pioneering selling books online. By 1997, Amazon.com had gone public, not without skeptics, but they were quickly becoming the leader in online commerce. And as online commerce grew, Amazon ballooned with it. And when we look back, this story seems so perfect, all the dots connected. But we have to remember, all of these companies were fighting to get people to buy things online, to put their credit card in. Here's a news story from 1998, six years after Books.com launched, four years after Amazon launched, on still the dangers of online commerce. In fact, nearly 26 million households in the U.S. are online, and they're buying everything from stocks and cars to books and jeans. But the rest of the country isn't catching on to the online shopping frenzy, and they certainly aren't using their credit cards in cyberspace. It frightens me to think that someone else could use my, get my information and use it. I would never put that online. I, I don't even like to give it out over the telephone. Never in my life. Stephen Mead is president of So what happens to Charlie Stack and Books.com after Amazon enters the marketplace? Find out right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Rockchip FM is brought to you by Clubhouse, the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone together so that teams can focus on what matters, creating products their customers love. And speaking of building products that customers love, we've hired a professional voice actress to read off some of the fantastic testimonials that we've gathered about Clubhouse, like this one from Clinton Gromley, the Elastic Stack team lead. Clubhouse is fine-grained enough that each sub-team can track the tasks they're working on, but allows us to zoom out to the team, product, or stack level. Or this one from John Kudmal, the CTO and co-founder of LaunchDarkly. Clubhouse provides the ability to work on a task list at the smallest level where I can check things off all the way up to tracking my entire company's engineering velocity at the milestone level. Or this one from Molly Wolfberg, the product manager at Wistia. Clubhouse provides enough data and a way to view that data, which means it's easy to slice and dice the numbers and makes the team more productive. Listeners of Rocketship.fm can sign up for two free months of Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io forward slash Rocketship.fm. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com.
let's get back to Charlie Stack and his story. We know Amazon started booming and it rode the internet wave, but there are many challenges for any business in this landscape. Distrust of customers, lack of funding, the unknowns of the online commerce at the time. So what did Charlie Stack do when faced with this adversity? Right about that same time, approached by a company that offered me millions of dollars to sell it and went to it. Charlie sold books.com for a few million dollars. Actually, not a bad profit for what he had started with, but we all know how Amazon turned out. Today, it holds a market cap of over $407 billion. The net worth of its founder, Jeff Bezos, is in the tens of billions of dollars, $10 billion more than Mark Zuckerberg. So, how does Charlie feel about his decision when he reflects on it now? And what happened after he sold? They had a whole lot more money. Jeff came from uh, Wall Street banking industry and had gotten introduced to some VCs on the West Coast. I knew they had a big pile of cash and, and we had a very, very small pile of cash. So it was an easy call to uh, sell to a bigger company, which is probably the most amazing story of all. We were approached uh, in maybe March, and we sold by May. And I got uh, $5 million in cash and a whole lot of stock options. Because my intention was to stay, because I was having a great deal of fun. And their intention was to build this into a full, the irony of this is spectacular, a full e-commerce website selling everything, clothes to music and movies and everything. So, and they were a public company, CUC International, New York Stock Exchange. Very well thought of. The CEO was Walter Forbes. They had launched a home shopping network in Florida on cable TV, first ones. And so the CEO, Forbes, had a vision for shopping from home. That was his vision, and we fit right into it. So we rolled out six retail stores in 18 months, uh, like the ones I mentioned, books, music, movies, uh, video games, gifts, a couple other things. Immediately, we started having problems with the acquisition. So I, I was in charge of this group and we hired and grew and had a lot of people there. Um, but I could never get good financial statements. Long story short, they were publishing fraudulent earnings. Publishing fraudulent earnings? Yikes. Not exactly what you want to find out about your new employer who you just sold the historic company that you created from scratch to. As you can imagine, things played out quite unceremoniously, to say the least. The stock went from 42 to 7. The top four senior executives, including the CEO and the CFO, went to prison. The CEO is still in prison now, 20 years later. So that ended, to say the least, very badly. And just like that, Books.com essentially went away. At least the Books.com that we all came to know, which Charlie had built, the parent company, whose executives found themselves in the trouble, they made it through the public scandal. It was a multi-billion dollar conglomerate after all. But different divisions were divested at different companies. The domain books.com ultimately became property of Barnes & Noble. In fact, if you visit books.com on the web today, you'll be redirected to the Barnes & Noble homepage. So for a story that had such a promising beginning, it's not the ending that most would have written in if they were writing the story themselves. Charlie came out of it okay. And aside from becoming a millionaire in the process, 
There were all sorts of stories that came along with creating the internet's first e-commerce store. Like the time he sat on a panel on Wall Street with Jeff Bezos and the head of Barnes & Noble in a very public forum. Uh, right near the end, uh, Morgan Stanley put on the internet. It will change uh, commerce in America. 2,000 people showed up in the middle of Wall Street for this conference. And it was me, the head of uh, Barnes & Noble, and Jeff Bezos, the three of us on a panel. Bezos took the position they were going to stick with books because that's what they knew. They weren't going to go beyond that. And I, my position, because of the direction I'd gotten from CUC, was all about how we were going to expand to every product on, on the planet and use the ability to say, ooh, you like this book, you'll like the movie. You like this book, here's an outfit that is like the one described in it. So I painted this giant picture of what exactly Amazon eventually became. Jeff Bezos' position on that panel? Amazon would be sticking to what they knew best, books. Well, we all know that Jeff Bezos had the foresight to expand his point of view. And now, everything under the sun can be and is purchased on Amazon.com. But where did it all leave Charlie? After becoming a millionaire and riding the wave and crash of his new employer, did he just retire to a beach? Of course not. Charlie's an entrepreneur. He did what most good entrepreneurs do. He started a new business. Actually, he started several. Some of them worked out. His next company, Flashline, raised over $10 million in venture capital and ultimately was acquired for $50 million. He started another company, Sideways, that didn't have a similar fate. Nevertheless, Charlie never grew tired of startups. In fact, he started thinking how he could help others launch companies. So he started investing and eventually opened up Flash Starts, Cleveland's now longest-standing technology startup accelerator program. What's better than launching one at a time? Let's launch 10 at a time. So we launched Flash Starts as an accelerator to do 10 companies at a time. And that was 20, end of 2012. We ran the program in 2013. It was a lot of fun. It was just what I'd hoped it'd be. And I tell people it's a lot like being a grandparent, you know, as opposed to being the entrepreneur. As a running an accelerator, you, you get to have fun with all the kids, but then they go home at the end of the night and you don't do diapers. And those kids in diapers, metaphorically speaking, they soon needed a home after graduating from the accelerator program. Eventually, Charlie created that home in Startmart, one of the largest co-working spaces by square footage any place in North America, housed in the historic Terminal Tower in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. What happened the first year was teams would graduate and they go to try to find a lease somewhere else and everybody wanted a five-year lease. But when you're a startup, you can't do that because you have no idea whether you're going to be one person at the end of the next year or 15 people at the end of the next year. So you need flexibility. So we went to the building then and said, could we do a month-to-month, per-person-per-month thing on another floor? They said, sure, it's vacant, go ahead. So we started pushing our teams down to what was then the 12th floor, where they could do just pay month-to-month. And then I started researching the whole co-working space, and that's what caused the start market to hit more. So while the story of Books.com had a surprising beginning, and maybe to some, somewhat of a disappointing and unceremonious ending, Charlie's story is a feel-good one, and it's still going. Charlie could have taken the few million dollars he earned with the sale of Books.com and retired early, lived on a beach, and had a happy life. 
or he could have lamented for the rest of his life why he's not the second richest person in America. Instead of doing either of those things, Charlie left the past in the past and focused on the future and ended up building upon his startup legacy. And a big part of that startup legacy was helping other entrepreneurs write their own startup stories, whether it be through a check he wrote as an angel investor or granting a slot in his accelerator class or even allowing a small internet company to pay peanuts and work out of his downtown penthouse suite for a couple of years as they found their footing. Well, not just any company, my company. Charlie basically housed the first startup I ever founded, which is how I got to know him. And even then, even though he had this amazing story to tell, he never really told it before. He always wanted to leave the past in the past until he told it today. And I'm so glad that we got to share it with all of you. They probably call him Steve Jobs because he got him. He could give a job to anybody, man, no problem. Computers downtown and computers up in Harlem. They running out of computers because everybody bought him. Caught him up in the web of the world and it's wide. The YouTube has more science. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you can check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.